Bruce Lawn. I am charismatic with a seatbelt. What does that mean? That means I believe that God can heal and God can do stuff today because God is God. God is ultimately on the throne. I believe that uh, he does miracles if he feels like doing miracles. I believe he gives spiritual gifts, all that kind of stuff. So just so I put it all out there, my church is... Uh, fairly charismatic. I'm actually a bit more reserved in, in, in terms of my church. And, and when I say charismatic with a seatbelt, I quite simply mean the word of God is my seat belt. Okay. Solid, truthful teaching, the way we approach scripture and so on and so forth. So with that said, I wanted to get into a very controversial passage of scripture Gosh, I'm about to open up a can of worms and you got to watch till the very end to get all of to get all of it. Because if you don't watch it till the very end, you come in, you ask questions, you watch it. It's really not going to make sense. But I'm going to open up with a very controversial passage of scripture that for some people can be very problematic, if you will. It is a scripture that is oftentimes used to really contort some very, uh, very radical views and it is used to, um, and, and, and historically is a controversial passage of scripture. Okay, so we're just going to jump right into it. That passage of scripture is Mark 16, 9 verses, uh, verse 9 through 12. This passage does not appear in the earliest manuscripts. How they compiled scripture is there were copies of these letters and the more copies of these letters that were written the the more valid it appeared to be and the last 11 verses of mark aren't in some of the earliest manuscripts uh, mark was he wasn't an apostle he was uh in the in the book of acts john mark is who many believe wrote the book of mark by the way i take a fairly uh, young view of all the gospels and the majority of scripture written and that's primarily because of the temple being destroyed in the year 70 a.d some scholars who i disagree with and they tend to be more progressive tend tend to think that the scriptures are all uh written later i tend to think they're written earlier and mark was not one of the apostles who walked with jesus mark you see him in acts uh paul not wanting to take him along and later on he ends up writing the gospel of mark this is not from someone who's a first-hand account and in that this was uh this was many believed to be peter's account of the gospel story so, Mark uh, chapter 16, verses 9 through 12. We're going to assume, for the sake of this discussion, that these scriptures are authoritative. We're just going to assume that for the sake of this discussion, even though many believe that they were added on after the fact by scribes. And by the way, this does not change anything to me in the grand scheme of scripture being inspired by God, scripture being authoritative, and scripture being inerrant in the sense that the message, the central message is preserved, even if there's typos, errors, and, you know, verses that were added in later, and, there's, and they're kind of questionable. So, just want to get that all out the way so you guys have a historical framework for where these come from. But for the sake of this video, we're going to just assume that these verses are authoritative. Okay, verse 15 picks up. Remember, this is ver the, most of this ends in verse 8 for most of the earlier scribes. But for the sake of this video, we're going to pick up at verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. 
in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. All right. So this is a pretty wild scripture. Now, why, why am I bringing this up? Okay. I was just watching, um, I keep up with different pastors and I was just watching Mace, Pastor Mason Betha, who took over, uh, Go Church. And in his message, he did this like sinner's prayer thing. And he literally ended it with, um, Jesus, you know, uh, come into my heart. He set me free, make me born again with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. So, and I was like, why, why did he say that? And then I remembered this passage. There are people who believe that tongues are an evidence of salvation and that it's, they're almost one and the same. Now, this, this is the, the Great Commission. Something interesting is that the Great Commission is not in all four Gospels. It's actually in Mark which again, is many believe is a later gospel who wasn't written by one of the, the, the people who walked with Jesus. And it's also written, the Great Commission, in the book of Matthew. So let's look at what Matthew said. Okay, Matthew 26, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of this age. Interesting that in Matthew, who many believe walked with Jesus, the tax collector Matthew, uh, his, his great commission is slightly different. That's, that's interesting, right? That's really interesting. So there is two great commissions. I think this one is the one that we would all kind of rally behind. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at Mark 16, 9 through 11. This is where we get problematic. And this is actually way more popular than you think it is. Way more circles and way more camps believe this stuff than you think. And the first one is that the, these signs must follow. Which signs? Speaking in tongues, healing, and casting out demons. They must follow. Okay. That this is you probably know somebody like that. Uh, there's people watching this like that right now. That the signs must follow. That you have to speak in tongues. Another position is uh, all signs for all Christians. I'm gonna get into that in a second, right? And the last one is these signs already followed. Okay, these signs already followed. So let's just go through these real quick. The first one: these signs must follow. Uh, if you're a Christian, you must speak in tongues. You must. Cast out demons, you right? You, you guys familiar with this crowd? They'll use this verse, John 14, 12. Truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So they'll take the end of Mark, and they'll take John 14, 12, and they say, see, you will do greater works than Jesus. He said it. So we all should be casting out demons. We all should be praying in tongues. We all should be, right, healing people. You, you guys see what I'm saying? Now, what 
they don't really think about this verse is how will we do greater works than Jesus, right? Did the disciples take the gospel further than Jesus? They did, right? Jesus didn't leave like a few mile radius of his entire life, except when he was a kid and he traveled to Egypt, right? The disciples take the gospel to the known world. Uh, will we reach more people than Jesus did, right? How will we do greater works? So that word greater, people instantly think, hey, it's all about tongues and miracles and these things, See, Jesus said greater works. And so they're literally expecting uh, that, that every prayer they pray for healing must happen, that everyone who gets saved must speak in tongues, that everyone must cast out demons, okay? The part they ignore is that Scripture has to interpret Scripture. What am I talking about? Well, when we're looking at things like miracles and signs and wonders, we have to look at it in the context of all Scripture. So we don't form theology around one or two verses. We don't, right? Like, you don't just pull stuff out of context and ignore other passages that on the surface may seem to have a paradoxical view of what you're trying to promote, Right. And so let's let's keep going here for a second. Scripture interprets scripture. What does that mean? That means if you're telling people they have to do something and there's a scripture that implies otherwise, they are both true and it has to complement each other. Okay, this is like basic Bible study 101. Right. This is basic Bible study one on because what you'll find in scripture is a lot of paradoxes. Right. You'll find a lot of paradoxes. A paradox is something that seems to be inconsistent, seems to be a contradiction, but it's not. It's just a paradox. Jesus is fully man. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is the son of God and Jesus is God in the flesh. Boom. Paradox. Mind blown. Right. So another passage. First Corinthians 12, verse eight through 10. What does it say to one person? The spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to another. The same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healings. He gives one the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit, still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said first corinthians uh 12 through 8 excuse me first corinthians 12 8 through 10 okay this scripture does not say everyone will have every gift. This scripture does not say that everyone will cast out demons. Everyone will, 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 will pray in tongues. It says some will have the gift of tongues and some will have the gift of healing and some will have the gift of knowledge and some will have the gift of prophecy. And you, you, you guys see what I'm saying? So Mark has to juxtapose this scripture. And then 1 Corinthians 14, it goes on to give protocol on how the church needs to operate with these things and so on and so forth. And so I am not one of those people that's going to say, hey, no, God doesn't do miracles today anymore. Hey, no, like since the scripture is written, there's no more prophecy. I'm not one of those people. However, I am one of those people that, that will say, hey, scripture has to interpret scripture. We have to look at all of it. We have to look at all the verses and we have to fa- put them together using logic, using church history, using common sense, using what all the scriptures say to form a healthy theology, okay? The signs must follow crowd. This is what happens with the signs must follow crowd. Is sometimes they follow the signs instead of letting the signs follow. Shout out to my brother Jeff Morris who just preached about this. They follow the signs instead of letting the signs follow. What am I saying? That there's a lot of people here looking 
for the supernatural, looking for the miraculous, looking for the flashy gift, looking for the over the top stuff, right? And they're really just following the signs instead of following Jesus and letting the signs follow. You guys follow me? Follow Jesus. And if he gives you a a, a spiritual gift, praise God. And if he uses you and, and, and you pray and someone gets healed, praise God, right? But we have to be followers of Jesus. So sometimes this crowd, they will follow the signs and they will follow the flashy, the over the top, the new revelation. I got a new word. I got a new revelation. I got a new thing. God is doing something new. And it's like, fam, have you applied the scripture that you already know? Have you, like, are you actively living out what the scripture is clear about? Like, like forgiving your enemies and I don't know, loving your wife the way Christ loved the church. And I don't know, repenting of your sin, right? So they follow the signs instead of letting the signs follow. Instead, we ought to be following Jesus. They ignore descriptive versus prescriptive scripture. What am I talking about? What I'm talking about is, listen, there are certain passages in scripture that are describing things that happened for unique specific times. And then there's other passages of scripture that are prescribing theology and prescribing lifestyle and prescribing specific things for us today. This is, I know this is like, yo, what do you mean? Okay. So when, in my opinion, when the scriptures say in first Corinthians 14, that women ought to sit silent in church. Okay. Does that literally mean that women can't make a peep in church? Is that what that is saying? Or is it possible that that's a descriptive scripture about a specific time with a specific church describing things that women need to do in that context? Because if we take women need to be quiet in church and not make a peep, well, shoot, there goes Sunday school teachers. There goes your wife asking you a question, right? Like the announcements, worship, like we don't, that we don't objectively take that as an absolute statement. Most of us don't. Some of y'all do. Some of y'all are weird. Y'all like, yo, woman kids ain't nothing, right? <laughs> He's like, uh, no, no, that's not what they're saying, okay? It is, it is describing a specific time in history, right? It is, the, so, so, and then there's prescriptive. This is prescribing us behavior that's timeless, right? Hey, don't be sexually immoral. That was true 2,000 years ago. That was true 4,000 years ago. That's true today. What is sexually immoral? It's a drunk drawer term that kind of encompasses all of sexual deviant behavior. Anything outside of a covenantal marriage. That's what sexual immorality is. Okay? Boom. There you go. So you, you, hopefully you guys see the difference. So sometimes people from the these signs must follow crowd will look at scripture and they'll think everything is prescriptive for today. Not understanding that there were special times for God to do specific things. God's not sending manna from heaven right now, right? That was a descriptive thing. Now, the principle holds true. Yeah, God will provide for our needs, and Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, but he, we walk around through the desert, right? That's not, you, you, hopefully this is making sense, okay? Hopefully this is making sense. Now, another thing from the signs must follow is they form theology around verses that make Christians question their salvation and leave and live in shame this is my biggest issue when you start telling people they have to speak in tongues they have to cast out demons they have to raise the dead they have to have to have to and I've heard this stuff happen all the time all the time Christians are made to feel like um 
JV Christians, right? And by the way, I've spoken in tongues. I got no problem with the gift of tongues, okay? But my wife hasn't. My wife hasn't spoken in tongues. Some, some of the most amazing pastors I know, preachers I know, men of God I know, never spoken in gift of tongues. Not because they didn't want it or because they didn't have enough faith. They just they didn't, get, they didn't get that gift, right? And so this theology will literally present them as JV Christians. Oh, you're ju- you're just junior varsity. You ain't really you ain't really got you ain't really flowing in the anointing like that. And some folks they they'll even go to the extreme and they'll say, well, if you're not speaking in tongues, you're not saved. Whoa, whoa. That's uh, that's wild to say that, right? That's that's like really wild to say that. So, here are some of the problematic signs with this position. Now, the all signs for all Christians. This is the logical conclusion of these signs must follow. Is that it's all signs for all Christians? What do I mean? Some of you guys would be like, yeah, all Christians must speak in tongues. I'm with it. Yeah, some of y'all watch this right now. Yeah, all Christians must speak in tongues. Yep, for sure, right? Yeah, all Christians must heal. Oh, yeah, 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 Ruslan, yeah, if you, man, if you're in Jesus, you better be healing people out here. Okay, all right, okay, all right. All Christians must cast out demons. Ah, mm, I don't know about that. All Christians must cast out demons. Well, I think we should speak in tongues, and I think, you know, I think we should pray for healing, but all, all Christians must cast out demons, yeah, right? Let's keep going down that logical conclusion of what Mark says. What's the, what's the next logical conclusion? All Christians must pick up serpents. Nah, yeah, very few people believe that, right? That's where you draw the line and you go, ah, no. Yeah. Speaking tongues, yes. Uh, uh, must heal, okay. Cast out demons, uh, yeah, we, we could do that. Um, pick up serpents, ah, nah. I'm good on picking up serpents. Do you see the inconsistency now? Do you see the inconsistency all Christians must drink poison. Yeah, y'all ain't picking up serpents. Well, hey, there are entire denominations that literally pick up serpents and drink poison. You can look it up. It's freaking wild, right? But the average person walking around here who's like, you must speak in tongues to be saved, based on the passage in Mark 16, you're not, play, you're not playing with snakes and you're not drinking poison, so stop it. So clearly you're being selective about what part of Mark you're taking as prescriptive versus descriptive uh these signs already followed these signs already followed this this is more or less the most reasonable position i believe what am i talking about well if we look at acts 28 guess what happened paul gathered a bundle of sticks and as he laid them on the fire a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself uh to his hand when the islanders saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, surely this man is a murderer, right? Because they saw the snake, the snake lashed on to him. And he said, surely this man is a murderer, although, excuse me, he was saved from the sea. Justice had not allowed him to leave. Paul shook the serpent off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. So what is that talking about? This happened, right? This happened. This stuff happened already. Right? When you're talking about prescriptive and descriptive scriptures, this is describing stuff that happened after the past, after the fact, right? This is towards the end of Acts. Drinking poison. There are reports after the scriptures, after after like the book of Acts, that there were some martyrs who were given poison and they lived despite. They 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 weren't martyred, they weren't killed for Jesus while they tried to give them poison, right? That that that's that's 
extra biblical stuff, but that already happened. And so the theory goes that the passage in Mark 16, that some scribes went back and, and or maybe Mark went back and added some of these things based on stuff that already happened, right? Because it's describing something that already happened, not prescribing it for all believers. Okay, so can God do miracles? This is the question that a lot of you guys have. Can God do miracles? Absolutely. Yes, God can do miracles. Yes, God can do miracles. God's God. He kind of can do whatever he wants. He could do the miraculous. He can heal people. He can raise people from the dead. He can do whatever he wants. That's kind of the perk of being God. Amen? Right? He can do what he wants. If he wants to give you the gift of tongues, whether it's translating languages, which is sometimes what we see there is a language or the, the prayer language, he can do that. If he wants to heal somebody through you, he can do that. If he right, he could do whatever he wants. He's God. So let's never limit God. And this is this is some of my beef with the, with the Johnny Max. Okay, this is some of my beef with like the really hardcore Calvinist is they don't believe this. Okay, so can God do can God do the miraculous? Can God use spiritual gifts? Yes, all of it. Yes. Okay, must God heal? No. God don't have to do nothing. There's no decree. There's no special prayer you could say because God is not your little genie in the bottle that has to do what you say. Okay? There's no, there's, there's, there's no special words. There's no special formula. God doesn't have to heal you. God doesn't have to give you the gift of tongues. God doesn't have to give you the gift of prophecy. God doesn't have to give you the dream of your uh, the job of your dreams. God doesn't have to give you that spouse you think he told you was your spouse. God don't got to do nothing. Also kind of the perk of being God. Is it not? He's God. He gets to do what he wants. Right? And so sometimes you pray, and he says, no. Right? In Paul's situation, Paul was praying. He had a thorn in his flesh. Paul kept praying for a thorn in his flesh. We, you know, Scholars have speculated what this thorn in his flesh is. Was it, was it a sickness? Was it an addiction? Was it depression? And what did he say to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. No. Whoa. Paul who's having demon who's having uh, who's casting out demons having serpents jump on him walking away with no issues didn't get the thorn on his flesh removed sometimes it's no because why it's according to his will not your will it's according to what god wants not what you want right so just because you feel like God told you so-and-so was your spouse or you feel like that's your job or you feel like you're, I don't know, entitled to be rich or entitled to be whatever, famous, popping, whatever. Just because you feel like stuff doesn't mean that it's a, it's an instant yes because you get to decree it because, well, Jesus said, I'll, I'll do greater works and God, you, you know, you, no, that's not how it works. God can do what he wants. He's God. He's on the throne. You're not. Deal with it. Period. Case closed. So God doesn't have to heal you. God doesn't have to give you whatever you ask for. God is not, you are not the center of the universe. You're not. God is the center of the universe. So we pray according to his will. And sometimes in my life, I want to be vulnerable for a second. A lot of times, because he is a good father, doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for stuff. He is a good father. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Hey, God, it would be amazing if I could make six figures off of music. And you know what the answer was for that? Not yet. And then I started making six figures for music. Hey, God, it'd be amazing before that. It's got to be amazing if I could quit my job and just do music and YouTube full time. For the longest, the answer was not yet. And then 
when I went through this process and I and and and, and my character was developed and I was 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 more a, a, a better steward and I walked more in line with God's principles and I was able to actually handle it. Then all of a sudden, doors started opening and I was more mature, right? So sometimes the answer is not yet. A lot of times the answer is not yet. So don't be afraid to pray for stuff, but always remember that you don't get to decree and command and tell God what to do. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. And by the way, uh, Proverbs says that inheritance attained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. Some of y'all are praying for money. Some of y'all are praying for fame. Some of y'all are praying for platform. And, and it's not gonna be a, it's not going to be a blessing in the end. You most 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 folks who make all their money early on in life go broke. Most people who win the lottery go broke, like the overwhelming majority of them. So be careful what you're praying for, because you might get it and it might ruin you. You might get rich and then have to go broke. Right. So be careful the type of stuff you're 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 praying for, man, because, hey, I am so glad I didn't become successful 10 years ago. I'm so glad that I was working jobs, multiple jobs, struggling, trying to get out of debt. Right? It's not about your will. It's about God's will. Okay? So we have to also remember to follow God and not follow signs. Right? Follow God and not follow signs. You wanting to, to, to see signs, miracles, all these types of things. Hey, there will be those who are not Christian that will do these things and deceive many. Okay? The Antichrist will have miraculous signs. So we need to make sure that we have a great grounded foundation of, of what, who is the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus in your mind, not the Jesus that you made up, not the Jesus that you, 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 you want to give you all your wishes, not the mellow hippie Jesus with Birkenstock on and cool wavy hair that is just kind of the homie and doesn't really have a problem with any of your sin. No, 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 no. Who's really the Jesus of the Bible and are you following him? Or are you following someone else? Are you following the Jesus of culture? Are you following the Jesus of prosperity? Are you following, right? Like we have to follow God. How do we do that? By getting in these scriptures, by getting in these scriptures, by letting scripture interpret scripture, by reading a lot of scripture, by understanding scripture, by understanding who was he writing to? Why was he writing to? Who, what was going on, right? Scripture is the ultimate authority. That is the ultimate inspired word of God. And that is where we ultimately know full revelation is. And again, that's not me saying I'm against tongues or, or prophecies, but sometimes we know Clearly, within the last year, folks be getting it wrong with these prophetic words, <laughs> right? And so we, we, we have to know and follow God, not signs. And I'm going to leave you guys with this passage right here. It's a scary passage. This is a scary passage. So all you must, Jesus must, God must do this. God must give me the gift of tongues. God must heal through you. God must cast out demons. This is terrifying stuff. Jesus said in, in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay? The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay? On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay, this is a terrifying passage, but it should be a sobering one. Are you chasing the gifts? Are you chasing the giver? Are you chasing God? Are you chasing flash and, and new revelation, right? Are you pressing into scripture? Are you pressing into the latest word and the latest prophecy, 
right? Are you, are you chasing holiness? Are you chasing happiness? There is a difference. That's a scary verse. And, 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 and catch the end of this. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I'm going to give it to you guys this way. And this is going to hurt some of your feelings, but that's okay. Cause I, cause I have to, I want to drive this point home. There's a, there's, there's a handful of you guys watching that if you were to pull up to my house, I would know exactly who you are and I would welcome you in and we would probably go get uh, lunch and I know you were, and I know not, you would have my number and I know you were coming over, right? There's a lot of you guys watching and we would, we would have a fantastic day. Uh, guys like Trutha in the chat, right? Guys like Eximio. A lot of you guys, I know you guys in real life. You got my number. We communicate, right? It's a lot of you guys like that, right? You know me. You, you know me. I know you, right? But what I've discovered is in this YouTube space, there's a lot of folks who feel like they know me because I share my life publicly, but they don't really know me because I don't know them, right? I don't really know them. I don't have access to them. They don't have direct access to me. Right? So what does that mean? If you figure out where I live, don't, please don't do this, and pull up to the studio like you're the homie, I'm going to be like, bruh, get the strap. Who is this person? Right? Like, it's going to be a problem. Like, don't do that. That's, that's you know, my son is around. My wife is around. There's, there's people like, no, don't do that. 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 Okay? Why? Because I don't know you. I don't know you. Doesn't make me a bad guy. Doesn't make you a bad guy. I just don't know you. So you pull up unannounced at the studio, right? And I'm like, fam, who are, what? No, right? Yeah, don't don't be that guy. And so with this passage, this passage, a lot of y'all that think you know God. There's a lot of y'all that think you know God. There's a lot of you guys that <laughs> you, you've even done some cool things in the name of Jesus. You've even, you've even done some, you've even, you've, 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 God's, maybe you think God's even using you right now, right? But does he know you? Does he know you? You think you know him, but does he know you, right? That's who gets to decide who gets into heaven, Right? That's I who who gets to decide if you come into my crib? Not you, me. This this is this is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. You don't get to decide. God decides. God's in control. God's on the throne. Jesus gets to decide who gets into heaven. Not you. So if you had an emotional experience or said a prayer at youth camp and you think that No, 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 no. God decides. Okay? God decides who gets into gets into his house. And so how do we know if God knows us? How do we know if God knows us? You're born again. What do I mean by born again? Meaning you're a new creature. You're a new creation. Okay? And this is this is this is what I mean. And if you're and if you're in this, if you're in this must do tongues and must must heal and must cast out demons and all that kind of stuff. Listen, listen very listen to my heart. Sometimes we're so busy doing things for God that we're not we're not known by God. We haven't been transformed or regenerated by God. Sometimes we're so busy running around and we're thinking that we're doing the right things, but we don't actually have intimacy in a relationship with God. So how do you know if God knows you is if you're born again? What do I mean by born again? I mean that the things you used to hate, you love now. 
Like what? Like God's bride, the church, like God's word, reading it, not just picking verses apart and forming theology around it, really digging in and studying the scriptures, right? Things you used to hate, now you love, right? Like what? Like fellowship, like prayer, like praise, right? The things you used to hate, all of a sudden, whoa, these things are amazing. I, I, have, I find life in, you know, being around other Christians. I used to hate Christians. Now I love Christians. Wow, right? The things you used to hate, all of a sudden you love, right? The things that you used to love, all of a sudden you hate. What, what, what am I talking about? I don't know, your sin. When I got saved, I was sleeping with my girlfriend. I was in high school. No one told me I needed to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. I just knew I have to stop doing this. This is not okay. I am fornicating. I am sexually immoral. This is a violation of who God is. I had to stop. All of a sudden, I hated that sin. I still wrestled with it, and it was the struggle, but I started hating the sin, right? So the things I used to love, I now hate, right? So that's how you know if God knows you. Do you love the things of God holistically and do, you, and do you hate the things that are of your flesh? Listen, there's not, nothing wrong with spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong. All of these things, they're great. They're awesome. God uses them all the time, right? All the time. But when it's all experimental, it's all experiential, and it's all about the latest revelation, the latest word, the late, and your character is not any different, your lifestyle is not any different, your love for your neighbor is not any different, and, and from my experience, this is my experience. And again, spoken in tongues, got no problem with it, fell out in the spirit, the whole bit. But in my experience, with some folks in this camp, they, they know all of the spiritual hoopla, but their lives are an utter train wreck. Okay? They're sexually immoral. They're sleeping around. They have multiple divorces, multiple kids for multiple baby mamas, right? That's lawlessness. That's what that is. That's lawlessness. Tongues is an overflow of your intimacy and your transformation, and God gives you this gift of tongues. Praise God. It's happened to me before. But if you think that the gifts are what sanctify you, if you think that the gifts are what make you born again, they don't because people fake it all the time. So hopefully, hopefully this is helpful. I know this is a complicated topic. My position of being charismatic with being very, very, very sola scriptura is, is may seem like a like a contradiction to some. And, and the heart of this is not condemnation, by the way. The heart of this is not to condemn anybody. The heart of this is that I want to I want to encourage anybody who feels they've been condemned by denominations, by churches, by by camps who have told you that you're not saved or you're on the JV team because you don't pray in tongues. That's 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 hogwash. It's nonsense. OK, so 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 one, I want to speak to those people. You're, you're not JV. If you if, if you love Jesus and you love the word and you love fellowship and you love his church and you're born again. No, there's 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 no tier system in the faith. Right. So, so one, I want to speak to those people. Second of all, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that all of us could, could dig deeper into intimacy with Jesus and, and relationship with the giver and not just with the gifts. There's nothing wrong with gifts, right? There's nothing wrong with gifts. There's nothing wrong with the blessings of God. God's a good father. He's going to bless us. Amen? But when you're consuming yourself 
with either spiritual gifts or material gifts, right? Or that 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 spouse you've been praying for and you're just you're just consumed with that. Um that's not healthy. That's that's not healthy. So press into Jesus. Press into Jesus, be in relationship with Jesus, be in relationship with his church and 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 love um love people, love God. And I think if if we press into that, we're going to be fine. But all this other like, you know, I'm running around here doing all this extra stuff. Listen, God can use all that. But at the end of the day, ain't no JV Christians, <laughs> right? At, at the end of the day, like you're going to give an account and we should be willing to walk in the transformation that God has for us. So hopefully that was helpful to you guys. Want to hear from you guys. Appreciate y'all. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Joshua the King came down and bore it all. Yeah, conversations front of the fireplace. All of my mistakes out of wire race. Wanna operate at a higher pace. Birth pains causing the body to dilate on a first name basis with the 